Well, we have been in this series on the light of Christmas, and um, I have really enjoyed this series. This has been, uh, this is my favorite season of the year. It's my favorite time to preach uh, about the messages of, of the Christmas, of the coming of Jesus Christ, that first advent, and that uh, makes me excited about the second advent when Jesus will return. But I love these messages, and it's been so fun to preach on the light. We've had some good funny stories. And you know, last week was really uh, kind of a down. I mean, to talk about the darkness and the the darkness, how it's really become just such a part of our lives and we've allowed it to be the normal for us. And then we get to the point that we even just love the darkness and we don't, uh, you know, want to get out of it because we love being in that that darkness. But today is is a celebration. You know, we talked about giving the light, and we talked about reflecting the light and sharing the light. Today, we're going to celebrate the light. And if there is not a a group of people on the face of the earth who should be celebrating more, we should be the ones celebrating more than anybody on the face of the earth. People should be coming to us randomly and saying, why are you so happy? Why do you have so much joy in your life? And that would be the open door to tell them about Jesus Christ. That ought to be the life of the church, the life of every believer. We have something to celebrate. And I invited my good friend Linus to uh, share the scripture with us this morning because I think he, he does such a wonderful job of sharing what Christmas is all about. Charles Schultz, who, who was the uh, creator and author of the Peanuts cartoons, was a great Christian man. And uh, loved the Lord dearly. And that's one of the all-time most popular Christmas specials is the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but the only time Linus ever lets his blanket out of his hand is when he quotes that scripture. And then he picks it back up. And that is what Christmas is all about. Uh, My students know I collect nativities and they've seen on my desk. I have that Charlie Brown nativity set right on my desk. My daughter bought it for me years ago. It's one of my very favorites because we could probably learn a lot from Charlie Brown. Anyway, so I appreciate Linus sharing us with us the scripture this morning. And as we think about the Christmas season, uh, as we, we, I want to look at a little bit of history. I want us to think back you know, to, to what it is that we believe. Because we all believe the Bible, right? I'm going to you know, take for granted that you believe the Bible, and, and because we believe the Bible, there are certain things that we believe wholeheartedly. We will not give up on. I, I believe that God is the creator. Nothing existed until God spoke it into existence. Because of that, I believe that God then created light, and he made day and night, and he divided. And we have time now because God created it. We have a day, we have a night, we we have time in our lives because God created that. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he was born of a virgin, that he was uh, born in Bethlehem, that he lived for 33 years on this earth and he never sinned, he lived a perfect sinless life, that he was falsely accused falsely tried in a mock trial, that he was beaten, 
crucified, died, and he rose again, that he ascended into heaven, and he's coming back. I believe those things. But we all know that when you believe the Bible, there are going to be some problems. There are going to be some things that we cannot answer. And there's been many times that I've given the answer to be just as simple as God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, which tells me I'm not supposed to know. I wouldn't understand it even if God told me the answer. So there's just certain things we are not to know. Even in the book of Revelation, John, who other than Jesus Christ, is, is the human who saw more of heaven than any other human because that was revealed to him. And even he said, and there were many other books that were not opened to me. So we are not going to understand everything. Now, when we read through history books, it's pretty simple. You know, we have a date when something started and a date when something ended. And usually when that ended, there's that same date of when something else started. And it's very easy in history to keep track of those things. But in biblical history, we have a problem. Because we have a period where there was nothing. Malachi, who is the last prophet who ever spoke in the Old Testament, speaks his last words, and then we go for 400 years of nothing. Total silence. Now, in those days, that was the only way people heard from God. You know, they, they had the word of the prophet. The prophet was a person who God would give a message to, and then he would speak that to the people. And that was how they heard from God. And when there is no prophet, you have nothing from God. And they went 400 years. Think. We, we couldn't make it four days without prayer, without knowing that the Spirit lives within us and guides and directs us and without His Word. How would we do it? Could you really, we, we were tested with this. Could you go four weeks, four months, four years without a church? without a family of believers that you can come and worship with. Now, we were, you were pretty fortunate. Now, some of these up here may be mad at you still, but you didn't have to go four years without a preacher. Can you imagine going 400? 400 years without a Bible? We can't even fathom that. And yet, that's what the people dealt with before Jesus came. But then all of that silence ended on one night in Bethlehem when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born. And now the high priest, the greatest prophet of all, comes to this earth and he begins to share from God with us. Well, I want to tell us that's reason to celebrate. We have reason to celebrate. God is not silent in our lives. He is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And so we can celebrate today. And I want to look at a few things that we as Christians ought to celebrate all year round. But maybe we can be reminded of them during this season. The first thing that I believe we need to celebrate is that we need to celebrate the light of truth. The light of truth. Truth has been a mystery from the very beginning of time. 
all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. First two chapters of Genesis, all about creation. Boom, chapter 3, the fall of man. Boy, it didn't take long, did it? And so the serpent who, who is being led by Satan is in the garden and goes to Eve and tells her that she should eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she repeats, no, we are not. We can take from any tree in the garden, but this tree is forbidden. We can't touch it. We can't eat from it. And then what does the enemy say? In chapter 3, the enemy says, did God really say? Now, do you know why the, why the serpent, by Satan, used that serpent to say that to Eve? He, he took the truth and he distorted it. Because you see, Eve had to start thinking, you know, God didn't say that to me. Adam told me that. You see, God said that to Adam. And then Adam tells his wife Eve, now we can eat of anything, but we cannot. And so when the serpent says to Eve, did God say this? She had to think, well, no. He distorted the truth to manipulate her, to tempt her into taking of that sin. Well, you'd think we would have learned our lesson, but here the father of faith comes along, Abraham, God's chosen man, and he marries this woman named Sarai, and they become, Abram and Sarai become Abraham and Sarah, and the Bible says that she was a beautiful woman, and when they were traveling, they knew they were coming into a land, and so Abraham goes to his wife, and he says, you know, they they know you're beautiful. When they see you, they're going to know you're beautiful, so tell them that you're my sister, not my wife, because I'm afraid if you tell them that, that I'm your husband, they may kill me. So out of fear, he lies, not once, he did this twice, the father of faith. Well, you think that would have taught us a pretty good lesson about the truth, but then King David comes along, a man after God's own heart. And his lie became so out of hand and so out of control that then he had to commit murder to cover up his lie. And it didn't cover his lie. We're still talking about it today. You see, the truth was distorted, manipulated. It was a mystery from the very beginning. Peter denies he even knew Jesus Christ. Pilate looks at Jesus the very truth in front of him, and says, what is truth? Ananias and Sapphira go before the church. Their lives are taken that very day as they lie about the offering that they've brought. And what about today? Is it any different today? Truth is still a mystery to us today. I mentioned this last week, you know, those who like to manipulate the truth, those who like to distort the truth. Well, you know, when I read my Bible, I read all of what Jesus said, and Jesus never said one thing about homosexuality, so it's not a sin. And I told you this, you know, well, my feeling about that is this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the Word, so that means every word of the Bible is Jesus. So yes, he did say something about it. But they want to just manipulate the truth. Or here's one. Um, something went terribly wrong. You see, I, I was created by God to be a woman. But something went wrong and I was born a man in a man's body or vice versa. 
Let's just distort the truth. Let's manipulate the truth. I, one of, this is one of my favorites. I'm a good person. I treat people the right way. I don't cheat. And, you know, yeah, I've told a few little white lies, little fibs, but never stolen anything. I think when the day comes and the good Lord looks at me, everything will be just fine. That's a lie. That is a lie. The truth tells us that there's only one way. Only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Unfortunately, we know there are already and there will continue to be really good people that are in hell because they believed a lie. You know, this is one that even theologians lie about. Biblical theologians. Jesus Christ never claimed to be the Son of God. He called himself the Son of Man. And that's true. The closest we come is when he's before Pilate, and Pilate begins to ask him, ask him questions, and, and finally Jesus says, I am, I am he who you say. That's the closest we come. Jesus never really said, I am the Son of God. Why? Well, first you have to read your whole Bible. Go back all the way to the prophecy of Daniel in Daniel chapter 7. And Daniel is giving a prophecy of the Messiah to come. He's talking about who this Messiah will be. And he talks about that he'll perform these miracles and he'll do this and he'll do this. And the prophets knew this. You know, they knew about the Messiah. But Daniel's telling us, and Daniel says, and when you see the Son of Man coming, this will be the Messiah. So from that point, the Jews knew when the Messiah comes, he will refer to himself as the Son of Man. That's what he'll call himself. Jesus fulfilled Daniel's prophecy by the title that he used to refer to himself as. While we're on this topic of prophecy and, and the prophets really knowing you know, about Jesus to come, uh, did you realize that the Old Testament alone had 351 prophecies about the Messiah to come. 351. And years ago, a professor, a mathematician at the University of California, a Christian man at a secular school, decided to teach his math class his, uh, about probability. And he decided one of the greatest ways to teach probability was to take the prophecies of Jesus Christ, okay? And so there were 48 students in the class, and he gave each one of them, he said, I want you to take a Bible, and I want you to find one prophecy in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And so every student had to pick a different one. So 48, just 48 of those prophecies were brought back to class. Now, they did their probability, and through their formulas. I'm not a mathematician. And so uh, they did all what they had to do. And uh, this is what came up. Jaden, will you give me slide number one? All right. So could a single individual fulfill all the prophecies? 48 prophecies fulfilled by a single man. The odds are this, one in 10 to 157th power. Now, Will Van Dyke was the first one to smile and shake his head. He understands numbers like that. 
I really don't, okay? One in 10 to 157. That would be a one followed by 181 zeros. Go to that next slide. That's basically what that looks like. 48 prophecies fulfilled by one man. There are 351 prophecies in the Old Testament. Last slide, Jaden. Jesus fulfilled over 300, actually 333 to be exact, of those prophecies. Now, if the, prof- if the probability of one man meeting 48 is astronomical, what's the probability of one man meeting 300 or 333? Now, rest assured, there are still 18 left. I go to prepare a place for you. Behold, I will come and get you and take you where I am. See, they just haven't happened yet. They will. And if you can trust 333 that have already happened, you can trust that 18 will. That's truth. That is truth. We should celebrate the truth of Jesus Christ every day in our lives. That's the way that we need to celebrate. Well, the second thing that we need to celebrate is this, and you can take that off. I don't know. You can leave it up there. I don't care. We should celebrate the truth that Jesus is the light of the world. I think we look for light in this darkness in so many different things. We look for the light in the darkness, maybe uh, in knowledge. I've met some very smart men in my life. I've met people that I, I would consider to be geniuses, genius level. And um, the truth of the light of Jesus is not found in knowledge. I, I'm proud. I've, I've studied. I've got my degrees hanging on the wall. I'm proud of those things. But that is not where I'm going to find the light of Jesus. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It can help me. But the light of Jesus is not found in knowledge. The light of Jesus is not found in finances. I've had the privilege of sitting and eating lunch. Matter of fact, one day uh, I sat with the owner of Sweetwater Sound, who's probably worth several million dollars. And as I sat there with him, I noticed that on his white shirt, he had this big, huge pizza stain, you know, and he didn't even put his jacket on to cover it. He didn't even care. Down to earth, simple guy. His office door was always open. He said, if it's closed, you can't come in. If it's open, you don't even need to knock. I've had that privilege. But the light of Jesus Christ is not found in finances. The light of Jesus Christ is not found in relationships because relationships will always fail. Somebody will always let you down. The light of Jesus Christ is not found in religion. The Jews were very religious people, (laughs) much more so than we are. The light of Jesus Christ can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. He is the light. You cannot find the light in any other way. All those things are good things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But they are not the answer. One of my favorite ministers always talked, and it's become such a popular thing, I even think a song was written about it, that said, every one of us are born with a God-shaped hole in our heart. And we do everything in the world to put something there. And it never fits. It's like me trying to do a puzzle. I know that piece will go there. Give me a hammer and I'll show you that that piece will go there. 
It'll never fit. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. You know, the prophets knew it. We just talked about how the prophets knew it. Isaiah prophesied more about the coming Messiah than any other Messiah. He said, for the people have walked in darkness, have seen a great light. That light had not come yet. He was telling us what was to come. And then he said, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 700 years passed before that came true. But he knew. He knew the light of Jesus Christ. The gospel writers knew it. They knew all about the light. Think about what uh, John had said uh, you know, in him was life, and the life was the light to all men. Those shepherds, they knew it. We heard it a little bit before, that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him. Those shepherds were the very first evangelists, the very first missionaries of Jesus Christ. As they went and shared the good news that the light has come into this world. Prophets knew it. Gospel writers knew it. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the churches, he knew it. Those shepherds knew it. Those wise men knew it. You know, even historians know this. Philip um, uh, Schaff is a great historian. He wrote this. this. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful quote. Uh, This Jesus of Nazareth, without any money or weapons, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, and Napoleon. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all other philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of school, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since, and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished more themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times combined. All these people knew it. But more than that, I know it. I've seen the darkness be overcome by the light of Jesus Christ. I've seen the love and grace of Jesus in my own life. I've experienced that truth of the light of Jesus. And that's why I know it. We can celebrate today because of the truth. We can celebrate because of the light of the world has come, Jesus Christ. We can also celebrate because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, I know what I just said. Jesus is the light of the world. How can we turn around now and say, you are the light of the world? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us Jesus was the light of the world, and then Jesus turns right around and says, now you are the light of the world. I love the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics, and, and maybe more than actually watching the sporting events, I like all of the, the preface to it. You know, the, the athletes coming into the Coliseum. I even One thing I really love is the lighting of the torch. I just think that's so powerful and meaningful, and I kind of hate it at the end when the torch goes out. I just, I love that part. And in our last Olympics in, in 2018, um, the, the Olympic torch took over 100 days, 
to, to reach the Olympic Coliseum, and it traveled over 2,000 miles before it, it lit that torch in the Coliseum. To do that, and you've seen this, several people are chosen to carry that torch. You have someone who, who goes a certain distance, a specific length of time, and then they hand that torch off to the next person. And then that person carries it their distance, and they hand it off to the next person, and to the next, and to the next. And that is an exact picture of what Jesus Christ did for you and me. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus preaching that great sermon on the mount. And I don't even know who would remember this. Claude Likens preached 33 weeks on the Sermon on the Mount from this pulpit. He took every verse and, and preached in detail the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I have all those sermons, and, and they're amazing, amazing sermons. And Jesus, in that sermon, he tells us, you are the light of the world. And then he says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Church, we are to be a light on a hill. If we have learned anything this past year, we live in the darkest of times. And I'm afraid the church has lived in that darkness as well. This ought to be the time when we are on a hill lit for everyone to see. So that when they are in that darkness, they know exactly where to go. We are that light. Jesus has passed it along to us. And it's our turn to carry it. There have been great men and women before us who've carried that torch and passed it along to us. We one day will pass it along to some of these young people here. We are the light of the world. We have a great deal to celebrate. We can celebrate the truth. There is a truth. It cannot be distorted. It cannot be manipulated. It will always shine brightly. No matter what the world tries to do, there is a truth. There is an absolute. We should celebrate that truth. We can celebrate Jesus, that the light came into this world. I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible is in John when it says, and the light came into the world uh, and came to its own, and its own did not receive him. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. But we have received him, and we can celebrate the light of Jesus in our lives. And we should celebrate that he has given us the opportunity to be his light to this dark world. We are the light of the world to shine now in this darkness. Years ago, a, a, a Christian uh, professor at Eastern University and uh, pastor and speaker uh, would be asked to, to travel really worldwide uh, to speak. Uh, his name was Tony Campalo. Maybe many of you have heard of him. And, and uh, he got invited to be a speaker at a convention in Hawaii. I've been praying and praying <laughs> to be a convention speaker in Hawaii. But uh, he said, like many times, when he travels to a far distance, he said, I get jet lag. And he said, the only thing that will really help me get through that jet lag is to walk and get a little bit of food. 
So he was in Hawaii, and he said, I left my hotel. He said, it was, it was about 3 a.m., and I'm just walking down the street, and I wasn't paying any attention. And the next thing I know, I was in kind of a pretty rough area. Um, every person that I passed, he said, I saw several drug deals that took place. And uh, we'll just say it this way. He said, but the overpopulation of the area were women of the night. <laughs> and he said, I found a little diner. And I thought, man, I'm hungry, and this is what I wanted. So I went in, it was open, I went in, and I went up and I sat at the counter, and, and the place was full with these women. And one lady was sitting back by herself in a booth, and she was crying. And so a couple of the others went over, and he said, you know, being, of course, the pastor that I am to, you know, be quiet and leave them alone, I did everything I could to lean in and get there, you know, to hear what they were talking about. And he said, I overheard them saying, uh, this lady was crying, say, my life has just been a wreck. And she began to share about her life. And then she said, nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. She said, tomorrow's my birthday and nobody even knows. And she got up and left. Pony said he got up and he went over to those other women and he said, I've got an idea. (laughs) Does she come in here every night? And they said, yeah, we usually kind of come in here each night. He said, let's throw her a birthday party. And he got the owner of the diner and he said, yeah, that's great. He said, you can do whatever you want. I'll make a cake. And, and Kampala said, I'll go tomorrow and I'll buy some decorations. And the lady said, well, we got some gifts we can give her. And let's do this. Let's throw a party. And so they, they planned it all out. The next night, they decorated the diner. The cake was there and ready. And uh, they were all waiting. And, and, and as she came in, they all jumped out, yelled surprise. And she just started laughing and crying with joy that somebody did something for her. They showed love to her. So they laughed for a while and played some games. And finally, Kampala went back and he sat down at the counter and another man was sitting there. And he had began to talk to him a little bit and found out that this was a businessman from New York. And finally, this businessman said, did you do this? He said, yeah. And he gave him the story of what had happened and he shared all of it. And he said, "Um, we just felt like we ought to throw her a party. And the guy said, what do you do? Why are you even here? He said, well, I'm a pastor, and I I teach Christian theology at Eastern University. And the guy said, no way. No way. He said, what kind of church do you pastor? He said, I pastor the kind of church that believes in throwing birthday parties for prostitutes at 4 a.m. in a diner. And he said, the man from New York looked at him and said, nah, I'd go to a church like that. He put that in a book, and the title of the book is this, The Kingdom of God is a Party. The Kingdom of God is a Party. When Jesus talks about heaven, he talks about the greatest celebration, the banquet table that is spread. And we live like that woman crying in a booth. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. We have the truth of the word of God. We've got reasons to celebrate. We have the light of Jesus who came into the darkness of this world. And I believe we ought to make that personal. I have my world. And there's some dark places in that world. 
but the light shines even in my darkest places. We have the light of knowing that Jesus loved us so much that he said, now, here's the torch. You be my light to this dark world. And we should be a city on a hillside. Can you celebrate the truth in your life? If you can't, then we need to pray with Jesus today. You need to spend some time with the Lord. You need to know what the truth is and accept the truth into your own life and live in the truth, live by the truth, live according to the truth. Is there darkness in your life? Well, the Bible, that truth tells me that darkness could not comprehend the light of Jesus. Let the light of Jesus come into your life now. Let him look through every corner and crevice to get every bit of darkness out so that you can take up the torch because we have a job. Our job is to shine. Our job is to be on that hill shining like a city so that this dark world knows how to reach the light. Lord Jesus, today I'm so grateful and thankful because we can celebrate we have the good news. That's what the gospel means. It's good news. And we have the good news. We have the truth. We have Jesus. We've even been made ambassadors for Jesus to carry that torch. That is worth celebrating. We're a part of a great heavenly party. And we ought to celebrate like no one else on the face of the earth. So Lord, today there may be those here who do not know the truth. They do not have the light in their lives. They cannot celebrate. They're living in this darkness. And I pray today, oh, how the Holy Spirit would break through into their life. How that light would just open up. As the, the Bible tells us, cut between bone and marrow. Can't get any closer. And that it would be opened up and that we might even have places revealed that we had put back so far that we had forgotten about so that we can be cleansed, made new, so that we can shine your light to this dark world. This is our time. We need to shine brighter than we've ever shined as a church. When people say, this has been such a hard year, we ought to be able to stand up and say, we have the greatest opportunity as a church than we've ever, ever had in our lifetime. That should be our celebration. That should be our life. That should be our response. How will we reach the world? By shining the light of Jesus into the darkness. Lord, move your spirit among us now. Speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, if there are those of us who need to get some things cleared out, some things taken care of, let us do it today. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Help us to shine your light. Amen. Would you stand, please?
Little 10-year-old boy wanted to watch for Christmas. All he talked about is, I want to watch. Every time he saw mom and dad. I remember, I want to watch. Yeah, we got the message. Every day. Well, they kind of started getting sick of it, you know, and kind of getting tired of hearing about it. And so they told him it was Christmas Eve day, and he told them so many times. They said, look, if you ask one more time for that watch, you're not going to get it. Well, that night, they had a lot of family over for Christmas Eve, and he came forward and he said, um, I'd like to do the prayer, and I'd like to share a scripture that I've memorized. And they were so impressed, and he said, um, the Gospel of Mark says this, I, I tell you and I tell you all, watch. <laughs> do you know, the early church believed Jesus would come back before they died. Those gospel writers, they believed they'd see Jesus come back. And they used a word, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. And they lived with that anticipation that he is coming. We don't. I say to you today, and I say to everyone, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Jesus, we pray that prayer. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. I pray that we would live with that kind of anticipation in our lives every minute of every day. Lord, go with us that we might be able to be the light today to someone who's in a very dark place. Let us be that city on a hill. Give us boldness and courage to do your work as you've passed the torch into our hands. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. Amen. Amen.